Good morning. Happy Easter. Good to see you. Uh, we did pay the water bill. It's all good. We, we actually don't know what's going on, so we'll figure it out. It's not a typical Sunday that happens, but glad that you're here for it. Welcome online into the mini and the multipurpose room. We're so happy that you're there joining us as well. Uh, he is risen. Oh, what a sweet sound. Yes. He is risen, and he is risen indeed. Today we get to celebrate the resurrection of our Savior Jesus. And on Friday we reflect on his death on a cross where he proclaimed, Jesus, it is finished. Yet Saturday was silent, and today we wake up to the news that changes forever, that changes our lives completely how wonderful it is that we get to reflect on his resurrection. In Isaiah 53, we see this moment of, of the prophecy to come in Jesus. And it says in 53.5 of Isaiah, but he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be made whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. How wonderful a Savior that not only bears all that, but gives us new life today, that his death and resurrection can be celebrated by us today. So let me pray before we continue. Jesus, thank you for today, Easter Sunday. And we, we just want to reflect on your resurrection. Whether we have surrendered to you yet or not, God, we can reflect on the goodness of the resurrection and its significance for our life. So Lord, I pray that you would help guide us through your word, that today as we read your word, we'd be reminded that it's your word delivered to us, God. And we are so grateful and honored to read it today from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I just want to start with a question. Do you love gifts? See, see, I love gifts, and I don't know if you do. Maybe a poll in the room would say most of you do. The kids are sitting in their seats like a gift. I love gifts, right? And when I was a younger kid, I would be always looking for the next gift that I could get. My birthday was coming around. I was digging through, uh, you know, closets and shelves, like where's that next gift I'm going to receive, right? But as I've grown older, I've learned to love giving gifts. See, I have two little kids at home, and so their birthdays and Christmas comes around, and to see the joy and excitement on their face when I give them a gift, I've learned to love that experience. Uh, and so much so that my wife may get a little frustrated at me because at times we'll, we'll purchase a gift for them, say for Christmas or Easter or even their birthday beforehand, and I'll just find a way to give it away before the day comes. You know what I'm saying? And, and she's kind of leaves like kind of puzzled like, hey, so uh, what are we going to give them on the day? And I'm like, simple answer, right? another gift. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, this is perfect. Uh, although I need to learn to be a good, better shepherd in that because our pocket, pockets aren't deep to give all these gifts, you know? So it's like, I need to learn that, but I've learned to give the gifts because of the way they light up and they feel my love through a simple um, act of giving. And what if today, in reflection of the resurrection, that the way we experience giving gifts and especially receiving them on earth is similar to the way that we can experience receiving a gift from God. That, that what if we were to see the resurrection as this great gift given to us through Jesus and his death, but also his, his rising again and the power that's displayed? What if that were to be a gift for us? That it is not only historical fact and truth, but yet a gift from God shown by his love to us. 
See, in John 3.16, we see this famous passage that many of you may know, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And we can pause in that gift too, that regardless of where you're at with God and Jesus today, you are loved by him. What a gift of love from God that we can receive today and just be us. He loves you. He loves me. You are loved by him. The scripture says it so clearly, so. And we feel that love in so many ways and blessings. But also, what if we were to see it through Christ's resurrection? Today, we're celebrating a great act of God's love for us. 1 Corinthians 15, if you had your Bible, you can open to it. It'll be on the screen as well. 1 Corinthians 15, we're going to read through a chunk of it and then start to to dive in. Um, like I said, this is God's word delivered to us. We're able to read it today uh, from him, inspired to be written through, through his followers. I'm so excited to, to jump into it. In verse 3, we're going to start there, First uh, Corinthians 15, verse 3. Um, actually, let's start at the, the verse 1. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preach to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. Now we're to verse 3. For what I have received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, and that he raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. And then, and then, he, and then he appeared to Cephas and to the Twelve, and after that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters in the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. See, Paul begins to engage with us in this passage, not only to the context of the, those in Corinth, but also reminding us by this very gospel that we have received from God, this good news by Jesus that Paul is exclaiming, I want to remind you of this very gospel I've encouraged you in. And for many of us in the room, at some point in our life, we've received this good news of Jesus' resurrection for new life in us. We've surrendered. And so we celebrate in the receiving through the resurrection. We gain from God, but yet also that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Paul's not only expounding that by this receiving you are saved in verse 2, but by this very saving is found in Jesus Christ. That, that this salvation we know is good and true found in Jesus for me and you. And we see starting in verse 3 this, 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 this step that Paul takes to really begin to lay out the, the moments that Jesus walked through for us, right? Christ died for our sins. He was buried. And yet on the third day, he, he, he's risen. He rises again, conquering sin and death. He's alive. And yet also he appeared to the many then, but also to me and you today. We get to see God in the beautiful nature and creation we live in, but also in each other around us. We get to see the beauty of God's display in me and you by the goodness of his gift in Christ. What an amazing resurrection account that Paul could go no further than say, you can receive it. But the question remains, why did Easter have to happen and why did Easter have to happen this way? Why in this way? What, what, why should the resurrection of Jesus be so significant to me, believer or not in the room? Why is it significant and why did it happen this way? The cool part is, is Paul then addresses the Romans. 
Uh, earlier in, in, in the Bible, if you turn a few pages before, in Romans 3, it's on the screen as well, he begins to address the why in which Easter had to be Easter, in which Jesus had to die, in which Jesus had to be a sacrifice for our sin but alive and risen again. Here in verse uh, 10 in Romans 3, 10 through 12, it says this, As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands and no one who seeks God. All have turned away and they have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. And later in the same chapter, it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so now Paul's beginning to explain the why to Jesus coming for us, to living a perfect life on earth, to be put on a cross, and die and rise again, it is due to our sin. Now, the question could remain, what is sin? And let's clearly define it. Sin is a complete rebellion against God. As the passage says, we've turned our own way. We've chosen not his, but our own. And later in that Isaiah 53 passage, actually in the next verse, we reflected on verse 5, but in verse 6, it says, all of us like sheep have strayed away. We've left God's path to follow our own. Yet, it says in the scriptures, the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. This rebellion we rest in, we sit in, that we're born with. We, this, this rebellion against God, this path we've chosen instead of our own, we've strayed away. We've left his path, choosing our own. Yet God laid on him, Jesus, the sins of us all. The reality is that we can't do good on our own. We, we can't obtain goodness on our own. It's actually not good enough. It's actually not enough. And some of us wrestle with this, even in our sinful desire and path and flesh that, that we want to obtain to do good, but yet we can't do enough good to be good enough. Believers or not, we, we struggle in this pattern of doing our own good, and we fail to recognize we can't. Because God is holy, he is the ultimate good. He defines good. The, 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 who he is is so ultimately good, yet we can't obtain it on our own. But what is that very penalty of sin? And now we begin to see in Paul's writing this illumination of what our sin is and then what the penalty then must be for it. And here in Romans 6.23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Death is the penalty for our complete rebellion from God. Now we're beginning to see the why Jesus had to come and die in the first place. Why he needed to conquer sin and grave to begin with. And it was in love for us, for me and you. For the wages of sin is death. And let me help you understand this greatness uh, of sin we've committed. Uh, David Platt uh, uses this illustration, which I think is brilliant. Um, but let me read it to you. And it kind of goes like this. If I slapped you in the face, what would you do to me? Probably slap me in the face too. Not associate with me, be upset, right? Like if I slapped you in the face, you'd probably slap me back. Okay, nice punishment if you're right. But if I slapped, say, a police officer... What would, what would they do to me? Yeah, right? They, I, thank you. That must have been a police officer's son or daughter, sorry. Nope. Uh, he's going to come after you. Um, yeah, I would be arrested, thrown into jail. I, I, I'm certain they wouldn't slap me back, but, you know, wrestle me to the ground and handcuff me, all that stuff, right? That would hurt still, okay? So, so if I slept, he, he would arrest me. I'd be thrown in jail. But what if I walked up to a king of a country 
a ruler of their land, this person of high stature, and I slap them. What might be my penalty? It may be death. The reality is Paul or Platt is stressing the point that the penalty of sin is not due to our magnitude, but determined by the magnitude of the one who sinned against. And in this statement, if our sin is against an infinitely holy and eternal God, then we are infinitely guilty. That if this God is the King of kings and Lord of lords, we are infinitely guilty for our sin and rebellion against Him. That then thus deserves death, and that is what the Scriptures is so clearly showing us in verse 23 of Romans 6. For the wages of sin is death, but yet God in His love, if we were to complete the passage, says this, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And yet that gift we celebrate today. That the gift of God and Jesus, shown in his death, burial, and resurrection for our life and our sin, that, that it would be laid on him, as Isaiah said, it would be put on him, that we do not have to pay that penalty of death any longer because Jesus paid it for us. We are then now in a place of sweet, sweet gifting forgiveness. Yet God loved us and gave us Christ, and by his death and resurrection, we have eternal life once again, no longer the penalty of death. If you, if you reflect on that as a follower of Jesus for many years or a few years, or maybe you're curious and wondering what this is all about, you, you, cannot, you cannot pause to say and reflect that is such, good, such a good gift, such a good turning point for us. Because in a place we cannot obtain it, we're not good enough. To the place we have fallen short, yet God says, I want to be good enough through Jesus for you. And yet the debt is paid if you just trust me. We see this love by God through this act of grace. And in Romans 5.8 we see, But God demonstrates his own love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Right, This love that God extends to be in new relationship with us, to be with us, to, 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 to forgive us. How sweet is his love that even though we're in our own path of life, uh, of our own desires in flesh, of our own sinful pattern, rebellion against him, yet he still chose to see us and love us. And not only that, send his son Jesus to die for us and so that we may celebrate in his death and resurrection today. That we may walk in that new life today. That, that, that it's not for the future to come and one day I'll be there, it's going to be great. But today we get to walk in that newness of life given by Christ through his resurrection. And that's the whole premise and base of why we celebrate such a day. We celebrate someone's death and rising again because it has such implication for me and you to live today and eternally with God See, grace is this act of getting a gift you do not deserve. And we plainly laid out that we do not deserve the gift of life, and yet God is willing to give it. There are two components, if you think about it, to this way of gifts, right? The giving and receiving component. And so, like I said, I've learned to be a better giver, but man, I love receiving gifts too, right? That two components. And so we're faced with this reality that God wants to offer us a gift through Christ, that we are at a point, do we want to receive it? Have you ever been in a situation, like, like truly, where you try to give a gift to someone and they just don't want it, right? 
That can get kind of awkward. <laughs> Here, take this gift. No, I don't want it. Take it? I don't know. Like, um, I'm going to hide it in your house. You know, I'm going to like put it in your purse or something. Or, you know, you get like that awkward, like, I spent all this money on this gift and I, it was my love for you. You know, and it's like, no, I don't want it, right? That's, that's a similar place we were met with God in understanding the, 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 the grave reality of our sin. And yet this gift and, 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 and offering he has through us for, through Jesus, right? We're stuck in a place and stopped in our tracks of are we willing to receive? Are we willing to take on the free gift from God? The beautiful part about it is he doesn't make it awkward. He, what, what does his word say? I love you. I love you. I can't make the decision. I can't hide it in your purse. I can't force you to take it. It's your choice for me, but I love you anyways. We see the beauty of this gift coming through Jesus that gives us new relationship with him that changes everything. When we reflect on the resurrection of Christ and say it changes everything, it truly does because by it, we live. By it, we hope. By it, we trust. By it, we're empowered. By it, we find joy. By it, we experience peace by this great gift of Jesus for me and you. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. If you remember, we referenced that in verse 24 right after. It says, And all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ. How sweet that we find justification through grace. That, that we can be seen before God, made alive before Him in unity once again. That, that sin caused separation, but yet now we're met with a solution. And it's not a transaction that we say yes and forget, but a relationship that we begin and step into and follow. We all need to be made alive. And that by his life, his blood, his body, his death, and his resurrection, we may have new life and obtain it in him for his glory. So how may we respond to this great gift? In Romans 10, Paul then expounds on what this response could be like for you. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Remember that same gospel saving we saw in 1 Corinthians that some had received that we are saved by in Jesus. We will be saved as Paul expounds here in Romans. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth you profess your faith and are saved. Confess and believe in this truth of Jesus that sets you free. Confess and believe in his life, death, and resurrection. Repent and turn back. Surrender with full faith and trust in him and who he says he is to you. But not only surrender to the life he wants to give you, the best way he has you to live. If you've confessed and believed in Jesus before in your life, you've had what we could call an initial surrender. But to any believer in the room that you've surrendered at one point in your life and said yes to Jesus for the first time, may I encourage you that the resurrection also calls us to continued surrender. That remember that relationship you've entered into, the resurrection then profoundly reminds us of this continued surrender in our way of walk. Because we still sadly live in this flesh and bone here on earth and we want to make our way our own way again. We want to fall back into the patterns of, uh, of sin and death that so we were redeemed out of. And so yet we live in this state of continued surrender as already followers of Jesus, but maybe someone in the room needs the initial surrender today. 
Maybe you've yet to put your full faith and trust in Jesus and you've recognized your great sin that you cannot fix and do enough good for today. That yet Jesus has paid for for you in love. Because of Jesus, we no longer have to work for God's favor, but instead, as we surrender, we work out of his favor. We live out of it. We don't need to work for the favor of of God through Jesus, but yet because of Jesus, we work from it. You see, this is the beautiful gift from God that 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who had no sin be the sin for us, so that in him we might have and become the righteousness of God. The resurrection and its account and our reflection of it today is so dearly important, friends. Wherever you're at, because in it we find our faith and trust can be, can be seen in Christ, but also in it we find our life made full, our sins forgiven. In it we're reminded that we're loved, as Romans 5.8 said, that God demonstrates his own love for us while we were still sinners, Christ died, but also that through Jesus we're forgiven. In 1 John 1.19, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness that our debt is paid in full because of Jesus for me and you. So wherever you're at in those two spaces, are you in a place where you need to begin an initial surrender to Jesus today and trust him for the first time with your life and celebrate the resurrection by saying yes? But maybe your celebration comes in reflection of a place you've already said yes before but need continued surrender in your life. You're realizing you're going in your own path in this way again, so you need to surrender that continually to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I've turned my own way again. May I learn and trust you with this. How sweet is his gift to us, my friends, that we can celebrate the resurrection because of it. So let me pray. Jesus, thank you so much for this time. I pray over the next few moments as we hear testimonies of how good your grace is and the few uh, that we hear from today that that their lives have changed um, forever. There's more, uh, more than just the few we hear from today, God, that you've changed us forever. And we're just so grateful for the gift of Christ you give us, Lord. And so I ask that we, be, we may be encouraged in, in both ways by the resurrection, that one, it gives us new life in you, that we can have this, this statement of faith, this initial surrender today and trusting you for the first time, but also, God, may we be reminded uh, and reminded of your great gift and, and, and that it's paid in full, but also reminded of the way we need to continually surrender to you, uh, the ways we've maybe chosen our own path and grown calloused to your word and to your direction, God. Maybe we feel like we know it all because we gave our life to Christ years ago. But yet, God, humble us today and remind us that by the resurrection, you paid for it all. So we just need to surrender it to you. So, God, we love you and trust you for this morning. I pray for my friends, both in this room, in the multi-purpose room and online. We're so grateful we're able to gather today to celebrate you, Jesus, and what you've done for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.